The most pleasant exhaustion podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm based in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax, and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation security. Book a call or drop them a line on their website, highechelloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. MPE Coaching is the coaching arm of the podcast. If you like what you hear here and you need help preparing for a big goal, reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com or mpecoach at gmail.com. Trail races, marathons, triathlons, multi-day relays, we have helped people get ready for all of these things. Our approach is rooted in proven exercise physiology, but we also bring our own experience as coaches and athletes to bear. We specialize in helping adults with busy schedules find ways to build fitness and accomplish their goals. Whether you're looking to complete your first multi-sport race, qualify for Boston or Kona, set a new marathon PR, or simply become a healthier, happier athlete, we can help. Click on the coaching link on the podcast website, www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude State-of-the-Art Indoor Training Center, they are capable of simulating elevation of up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals, from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons, train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. And Michelle trained there extensively for the Silver Rush 50 in 2023, her first ever 50 mile race that spent a lot of time over 10,000 feet. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuels you are burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info@elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or to set up an appointment. Their website is elementalaltitude.com. And finally, our new sponsor for 2024 is Bright Hair. Bright Hair is a creative design studio offering branding, graphic design, marketing, and website design and support. They designed our Most Pleasant Exhaustion logo and they're helping to build our website right now. The folks at Bright Hair are patient and thorough and they listen to your feedback. Their expertise has been critical to our getting our branded merchandise shop off the ground in early 2024. Be sure to reach out to them with any graphic design or marketing needs that you have. You can find them at brighthair.com, that's bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, hair, H-A-R-E.com, or on Instagram at bright, period, hair. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast possible. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by MPE Coaching, High Echelon PC, Elemental Altitude Training Center, Bright Hair, and Blue Pineapple Travel. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls and a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am the father to three baby adults still. 
and the husband to an amazing and beautiful wife, Melissa. You say still, and I think that's an important still, because of course we expect you to still be their father. To me, that says they're still baby adults. They are. <laughs> they are still baby adults. Very good. Very I, good. I received a phone call from one of them. I made the mistake of right before going to bed, sending a text message with an interesting article to one of them. And then about 30 minutes later, when I was just dozing off, the phone rings. And oh, when no. one of your baby adults calls you, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, right. you answer the phone. And sure. it was, hey, Dad, can you help me with Excel? I've got this problem. <laughs> I thought it was going to be about the article. <laughs> no, no. I thought that's where I, that was I, going. I, said, I was like, oh, you made your bed. You have to sleep in it now, Eric. But but no, it's and, a completely unrelated so, topic. Here's the trick to baby adults. They're very, they're very smart. That was the first question. So it's either yes or no, right? And the answer is going to be yes. The second question was, did I wake you up? Were you, were you, were you going to bed? <laughs> One second. How do you do this Excel troubleshooting? Do you get on like a Google desktop share? Are you on her computer? Like, what are you doing? So typically, so I use, this is my method. The first thing is I try all the dumb fixes just over the phone, right? Laying in oh. bed. I'm literally horizontal. <laughs> working through this Open really hoping one some. of these things works have, yeah, you, decided, have and, you tried hitting save <laughs> yeah you know and we so but none of those worked so i eventually went down to my office fired up my computer opened up excel and then i was trying to recreate the issue hmm. and then it turned into a teams meeting where she was sharing her uh, screens teams. Okay. we were emailing files back and forth yeah so yeah Jeez, man. i feel that you woke up for real wow yeah all right so um yeah it was uh it was it was Odark 30 before I was back in bed. So. <laughs> Speaking of, of kids, Michelle, when was the last time you didn't have a kid in your house? That's you have three daughters, question, all of whom are in school, but I feel like there you've had a lot of sick people at your house for the last little while. I have had sick people, but I'm so thankful that so far I haven't been sick since I had COVID in January, but it's mm -hmm. February 16th and I've been home with at least one kid since February 1st. Since February and it gets 1st. better because I have another kid on a break next week. So we are going to extend the uh, stay at home all day with at least one of my children for another week. And maybe right. one day in February, they'll all three go to school, but I don't know, it's not looking so good. So I mean, like maybe by, by, by the time but they're all worse. back in school, by the time they're all back in school, it's gonna be February 26th. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I feel like I'll you're setting it. a standard that, that you will forevermore henceforth used to determine how long or how sick your house is right yeah it's like well this isn't as bad as february I mean, of 2024 <laughs> it's interesting because i find myself like forcing myself to just put it into perspective this isn't really that sick right like everybody is pretty much healthy and eventually going back to school and uh i don't know i'm surrounded by i feel like a lot of sickness and even to some degree, like death the last <laughs> several months. So, you know, I am, I am uh, just taking it one stride at a time. So as frustrating as it is, it's really uh, like not a big deal. <laughs> and I mean, in some ways it's a gift that I can be home with them, even though um, there's definitely a hard way to delineate between when I'm like the mom of the sick kid versus trying to work versus God, the dishwashers also are such a problem. They're always like full, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. And and we're going to be talking about death, alas, here on, on the podcast today, given the, the untimely and tragic death of Kelvin Kiptum a few days ago. Um, so I, I hear you. But at the same time, I think it's OK to be frustrated by it. I think it's oh, OK I'm to frustrated. be like, this is terrible. <laughs> this is awful. Yeah, there are worse things out there. There's always worse things out there. Um, yeah. It's OK for you to feel frustrated by, by the fact that you've had a child home for by the end of February, nearly the entire month of February. So um, that's cool. Um, we'll get there. But but you said you haven't gotten it yet. And so we're, of course, all going to knock on wood. Um, uh, this will be the first time that I knock on wood today. I'm going to do it again, again here in just a few minutes. But you haven't gotten it yet. Since you had COVID uh, and had to miss the Houston Marathon, unfortunately, you kind of reloaded and you're running now. And how's it going? Let's do a quick training check in with everybody. Um. Yeah, I feel pretty good, actually. So I think it took four weeks to just seems like such a long time, honestly. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
yeah, it feels pretty good. It kind of feels like maybe where I left off. So mm -hmm. pretty excited about that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like back to actually running my strides, which feels like a whole new level or <laughs> other level of commitment. <laughs> uh, and I think finally this weekend, I get to run more than 90 minutes. I, I think a you fifth do. weekend in a row of a 90 minute run would have just sent me uh, spiraling. <laughs> so fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> I, I think it's funny what you said that that you're taking the fact that you're motivated to do your strides as an indication that your head's in a good place. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that's interesting. Like I've always said that that you can determine whether your body might be on the verge of a breakdown by actually examining your mindset. Um, if you're like not motivated to go out and run and like you're dreading the next run and stuff like that, that might mean that you're on the verge of physical burnout. Um, like your mental state can actually presage your your physical state, I believe. Um, sure. Um, and that's not to say that it's always going to be just, yeah, I can't wait to get up at four o'clock in the morning and run. Like it's not always going to be like that, obviously, right? You oh, do have it's to, not, to discipline yourself, but. Yeah, um, it's not like that. Don't don't mistake me for, oh, I love, you know, but when I, <laughs> when I get out there and I get going, I, I know what it feels like to, oh, like this feels okay. Like, right, mm -hmm. this feels good or mm -hmm. this pace looks oh, I can't believe it's 30 seconds faster than I thought. Just all those little things. And, and so, yeah, it's good. Um, awesome. Very good. Very good. I, I feel very optimistic right now about my own training in part because I'm enjoying going out and running and I'm looking forward to going out and running. I'm looking forward to doing workouts and things like that. Um, Eric is not happy with me saying that because we're going to do a training check-in with Eric here in just a minute and he's not in the same place. Um, but, but um but do we yeah. also need to knock on wood for that yeah maybe exactly that was that was the second <laughs> knocking on wood that i was going oh, to okay. do so, so yeah right. i thank you for reminding me <laughs> um but no i i i'm in sort of an interesting place right now and it's and it's a place i'm unaccustomed to um for one thing i've been doing kind of more base training and more base phase training than i've done really since 2019 2020 um, as I think I mentioned on the podcast before, I've always really since 2020, because of the way that things unfolded during the pandemic and just the habits that I established then and maintained through 2021, 2022, 2023, I've always been kind of on the verge of the next race. Um, and because I've always kind of been on the verge of the next race, I haven't ever taken a step back and been like, all right, my target race is several months away. That means I need to be doing base training right now. Um, and there's a degree to which I almost kind of forgot like what it feels like to be base training um, and and how you how fitness feels when you're base training. I've been so accustomed to being like on the verge of being race ready that yeah. I've forgotten what it feels like to actually feel good and feel in shape, but not feel fit, not feel rate what I would call race ready or fit. Um, and so so that's that's been a little bit of an adjustment for me. The other thing about my training um, is that, that I'm doing a lot of strength training right now. Um, and I'm not really running a ton. Um, I actually have in 2024, I have more hours strength training than I have hours running. That makes um, one of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but, but it's weird. Cause I'm like, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem like, but, but this is part of being in this base phase is that I'm preparing my body for this race specific build, right? I'm, I'm building durability. I'm addressing longstanding issues that if I jump directly into a race build would undoubtedly hamper my, my training, but we're dealing with all this stuff. I'm feeling much better. I'm feeling much stronger. I'm feeling much healthier. Um, and, and it makes me very optimistic for, for what the actual race build, which is going to start in about, three or four weeks is, is going to hold. Um, That's awesome. My, I, I ran with friend of the podcast and, and real life friend of, of Eric and me, Brian Hetherington last weekend. Uh, Brian, you'll remember came on the podcast to talk about Ironman Arizona. Um, and, I, and he is training for race across America this summer. He's doing four person Ram. Um, and so that's obviously a lot of training. Um, he's been working with a, a, um, a trainer. And of course he has a coach. Um, and he said that that he had has that feeling that I certainly have felt a lot over the course of the past several years um, that he's working hard. So he kind of like right on the verge of he kind of feels like he's on that edge of injury a little bit. And I was like, Brian, man, that's that's great. I'm the opposite. 
Like, I don't feel like I'm on the edge at all. And that's like refreshing that I don't, I, I feel actually pretty healthy. Like things aren't hurting me when I'm in my regular life right now. I don't feel like I'm on the, on the verge. Um, uh, the downside of that is that there is a part of me that's like, am I doing enough? This kind of weird runner psychology. I'm like, if I'm not on the verge of injury, of injury, am I actually doing enough? Um, and so I'm actually nervous that maybe I need to be running more. Maybe I need to be doing more volume. Maybe I need to be putting in more time. Um, I mean, how messed up is that psychology? It's crazy because you're about to start training for like a 40 ish mile race on, yeah. you uh, need to a, not a, a be 56, on the verge. A 56 mile race. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking JFK. That's so yeah, sorry. No. But 50, uh, I mean, you need to, you need to be as far from the verge of, uh, Agreed. You know, on the cusp of injury as possible. So I'm, I like what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, I agree. I totally agree with you. And you're absolutely right. And that's, that's what my coach has me doing. And that's the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic, but, but there's this place in my lizard brain, right. Where, where I'm so accustomed to being, to managing injuries and, and basically being like, I know I'm training the best I can, the most I can, the hardest I can, because I can't train any more than this. Um, I'm so accustomed to being in that place. I'm not accustomed to being in a place where I'm like, I could, I could do more. I could do more yeah. if I wanted to, like, I'm not accustomed to being in that place. And that's weird. Um, but I think it's a good and important place to be. Like you said, when I'm more than four months out from my 56 mile race, um, I'm just nervous. I'm just nervous about the race. <laughs> I think it's good. I think you hired a coach to get you to this point And Absolutely. she basically has you like in the most ideal place that you would want to be. 100%. And the perfect timing for that. So 100%. Um, your exactly running's right. going to think it's going to ramp up here in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and one, one of the, it, you're totally right. Like she has me taking Mondays basically off. I talked her into putting some mobility stuff onto my calendar um, on Mondays. Um, but Mondays is basically a day off. Mondays and off is so good, by the way. Just it, do it dawned on me like two weeks ago. I was like, I need to quit complaining about Mondays being off because before Seriously? long, I'm going to be, I'm going to have these massive weekends where I'm gonna be like, oh my God, just get to Monday. <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you know um and so so i need to go ahead and enjoy these 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 leisurely mondays while i can um and my numbers on training peaks and my numbers on strava and stuff they i mean they they reflect that i'm building fitness and i'm growing and i'm moving in the right direction even with a day off per week um so yeah it's just weird to see let's look at my 2024 totals oh i've done two hours more of strength training than i've done of running well it's stop looking at the totals i know, I know. <laughs> It's fun. Uh, like so. Training Peaks doesn't like um, COVID for so, their fitness numbers. So Training Peaks doesn't like days off. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so you um, might not have had this experience. I'm ignoring my Training Peaks. So I, I had this experience when I was in elementary school. Eric might have. I don't know. Michelle, I feel confident did not. But but I sometimes <laughs> wouldn't turn in my work when I was in elementary school. Like I never did homework in elementary school when I was supposed to. And so my grades would always get wrecked by a zero. I'd have like. 100s and 95s on like all the quizzes and classwork and tests. And then I'd always end up getting Bs because I never turned in my homework. Those zeros can wreck your average, man. And that's basically exactly the way all the fitness numbers work on training peaks too. Um, Eric, how you doing, man? I'd like to point out that you don't have two hours more strength work than you do running. I do. I know, I know what you're going to say. But but all the things that I categorize as strength work, I do. And now what you're going to say, I think, is that some of the stuff that I'm calling strength work is not actually strength work, right? It's not strength work. So it's mobility work, right? <laughs> and so so strength and mobility, I lump together in the same category. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you sure. have you have more you have two more hours of strength, mobility, and whatever else you bucket mm -hmm. into that. That's it. That's category. it. Strength and mobility. That's it. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. Point taken. But I am, I mean, I'm doing two full-blown, roughly one hour strength sessions, one in my house and one in a gym every week. Um, and I have been for the for 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 the last few weeks, um, for the last couple of months. Um and then in addition, yeah, there's shorter 20 to 25 minute foam rolling sessions, stretching sessions, things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm lumping those in to strengthen mobility. But I tell you, though, if I think about the changes that I've seen in myself over the course of the past three months, they're definitely like strength and mobility changes. My like from 
my lower chest, like the top of my abs down to say mid thigh, I swear used to be just one solid immovable piece of rock. Um, and it's not that way anymore. Um, I can now twist and turn and things move and function the way that they're supposed to. Um, and so even though I'm not as fit, like I said before, when it comes to running right now, I'm actually running pretty well because I think I'm more efficient. Um, I think I, I have better posture. Like as I'm sitting here talking to you all sitting in this chair, like I'm sitting up straighter um, because <laughs> as both of you sit up straighter when I say that. I'm like, check my posture. <laughs> but I notice it like when I'm in my car commuting, like I used to lean forward when I was driving and I, and I, my posture has improved sitting in my car. Um, as strange as that sounds, I can, I can now twist in ways I couldn't really twist before. Um, and it's cool. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that. I can walk up and down the stairs in the morning, even the day after, or the, even the day of a run and my Achilles doesn't hurt. And I'm not like leaning on the banisters and stuff. It's not Michelle, just... he's basically more like a regular human. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is what he's describing is not some amazing transformation that you or I can ever achieve because these are everyday normalities for us. Also, Eric, I exactly. love how this was your training check-in. So, so it, it was a training check-in for all of us. I said it was all three of us are going to have a training check-in. We just haven't gotten to Eric yet, but no, you're totally right, dude. Um, is, is that, and I think one, that's one of the reasons maybe why I'm feeling so optimistic right now is because there's been times, even like as recently as last fall in like around Berlin, you remember all the training I did on Berlin on that lever movement system that, that you always said looked like a, a, a baby bouncer. Um, and so, which I agree with you on, like I, I was not feeling optimistic about my future in this sport, frankly. Um, I was about to turn 50 and I was only able to train for a marathon by taking weight off and running most of it. Like I was like, I don't, this is not sustainable. Um, and, and I'm feeling optimistic again because I hired a coach and have taken a lot of steps to try and ensure that this is in fact sustainable. And now I'm confident that it will be. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly at a place again, cause I have been at this place before where I can live life as a normal person, but also be a runner. That's great. All right, your turn, wonderful. Eric. That's wonderful. <laughs> your turn, Eric. Uh, tell me how your training's going, buddy. I think I need a coach to tell me what to do so I can, I can feel like the two of you do about your training right now. Hmm. No, I can fuck you up with a coach. <laughs> we know a few <laughs> yeah so I, i've been so running wise i've been struggling a little bit lately I, I recently sent you guys a text and said i haven't had a run a painless run in 2024 Oof. it's either my my right achilles which is new it used to be my left achilles so mm -hmm. it's my right achilles my left hamstring and my right hip are really the big ones um, recently my, my left foot also started hurting in some random place that it's never hurt before. And I'm not even running. That's the crazy thing. Um, uh, I did my first run in probably, I don't know, over a week today, uh, right before the podcast. Hmm. And I, I was floored because I, I, as we were finishing up the run, I looked at the guy I was running with Tim and I was like, nothing really hurts right now. I said, we'll see in about an hour. Right. So I guess the, the message I sent you guys previously, you know, to today was literally the first time I've run where I didn't have some sort of like shooting pain in the middle okay. of the run. So that's positive. Um, what I've been trying to do though, is lots of Zwifting. Um, and over the last, you know, I think it was like probably about a month ago, George, I told you I was in some pain and you said, yeah, but you're doing all the recovery things. And I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, okay that you're in pain because you're doing all the stuff you need to be doing. <laughs> and I was like, weren't. no. So I've, <laughs> I've really put a concerted effort into uh, rolling um, for my hip and my calves. And I've put a concerted effort into using the my Norma Tech tools, both uh, for my hips and for my legs. And um, this is this may seem silly, but I'm sure others that have seat heaters in their cars do this. If your hamstring hurts and yeah. you crank up the seat heaters on your car, you get a little bit of a relief there at least. So I've been doing that. And 
um, through it my, it, my, it might have been Michelle was the first person that ever said that to me. That, yeah, that my turning sea on... warmer is on yeah. high in July and mm -hmm. August. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good to know. I'm not the only weirdo out there. Yeah, no, I think it's but, smart. You know, I don't have a seat warmer and I actually miss it now. Yeah. And I carry a racquetball around in the car and I, I use that on my hip um, while I'm driving the car. Uh, and then I have um, I've been doing a lot more post uh, recovery off of Zwift. So um, a lot more concerted stretching geared towards really my right hip. That's been the big, big problem lately. Um, so I, I told you guys, I was going to say my training has been going very poorly. My running has definitely been going poorly. Yeah. Um, yeah. now having said that my numbers on Zwift have been every race we've done every week, I've broken some, um, some metric. So right. that's actually been going really well. Um, yeah, I, I was going to, I was going to bring that running. up because I, I knew that since you and I are on a Zwift text thread and you and I race actually on the same team, even though not in the same division or the same part of that. Team. Yeah. And so I knew that yeah. you had, you had been putting up some really good numbers on Zwift on your bike. And that's great. Yeah. And, and I've actually steadily gotten better. The first, the first race of the season, I was, I was back of the pack. And then as it's moved through the season, um, I'm one of the first two riders across the line for our team. And I'm, I, I hung with the front pack for the first time in this last awesome. race. And this last race was, it was a doozy. Mm -hmm. It was. <laughs> so, so that's been going well, but I'm wondering if that's just going well, because I'm, I'm not doing the running I usually do. Mm -hmm. you know? <clears throat> I mean, so, maybe, yeah. but, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that doesn't mean that you need to, to, to replace running with Zwift from now on. No. Um, but but it's but no. it's okay and to me it indicates that it to me, to me it says two things number one it says that you're still building and growing and maintaining fitness and so yeah you can't run but when you can you're going to be in a much better place than you would be if you were just hanging out on the couch over the course of the past two months that's one of the things it says the other thing it says is that you i don't think you had to like say that out loud i think we all knew that that was the I mean, reality well you know you know as a college professor i tend to say everything twice <laughs> and I literally had to hold myself back from saying, I say everything twice, twice. Um, <laughs> you did. You just said it a second time. <laughs> I snuck it in. Right. Um, but the other thing is that it shows that you can, and I can too, derive satisfaction from something that's not just running. Now, ultimately, the most pleasant exhaustion for me is going to come from a running race. It's going to become from a marathon or the comrades or an ultra or a trail race or, or even a, a 10k. Right. But, but I also drive a lot of satisfaction from participating in Zwift races and looking at my numbers and seeing how I finished and, and things like that. Like it doesn't have to be running. I can find that most pleasant exhaustion in other places. Right. I think that's, good. I would say right now I am deriving all of that from mm -hmm. cycling. Yeah. And I think that's good. And cycling is yeah. going well. Only two more weeks in the Zwift Racing League, unfortunately. Um, well, and but... then we get to do the finals, right? Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, your team is actually probably going to make the finals. My team has been a little bit short on members. Um, <laughs> and so we we are definitely not going to be making the finals. We've only been putting up three or four. In the team time trial, we had five out of six possible riders. But we haven't had enough scoring members of the team, like literally showing up on the starting line to be able to garner so, the points so necessary to make the finals. Lee's Thursday morning time trial team, time trial team. Mm -hmm. They have never had more than three riders. <laughs> and, and one day I was one of those three riders. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, our friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale, who we can hardly go a podcast without talking about, actually won a Zwift Racing League race um, a couple of weeks did. ago, So, which is super impressive. Um, and so great job and kudos and congratulations to him. And um, we want to give kudos and congratulations to a couple of other folks here over the course of the next few minutes. Um, while we're talking about Lee, though, I do want to mention we are, Eric and I are now signed up for the Tobacco Road Relay, which is the last weekend in August. Um, it's a single day relay that's put on by Ken Savinsky, the same guy that puts on the Blue Ridge Relay. And Michelle, the day that you have been waiting for is here. We have now You're registered. You're going to wear a trucker hat? No, not that day. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I was going to say, we have registered for the Blue Ridge, Ridge Relay here. once again as the GT Milk and Cookie Boys team. So we will be competing in September, the first weekend in September, um, once again, which gives um, us license just, to talk about it every podcast we now and then. 
just so we don't sound as dumb as that sounded, we are not <laughs> racing the Tobacco Road Relay the last weekend in August. Oh, is that what I said? That is what you said. Oh, yeah, no, and definitely not. Yes, thank you for that <laughs> no, correction. Last weekend in April. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be next level S-T-O-O-P-I-D, stupid. No, we will yeah. not be doing that. We, that will be the last weekend in April, <laughs> indeed. And then um, next weekend, Michelle, you and I are both taking part in the first ever Atlanta Marathon Relay, where you are running half of it and your friend, our friend, friend of the podcast, Lauren Fogarty is running half of it. And I am running it with uh, uh, Adam Heiser. He's going to run the first half of the marathon course and I'm going to run the back half of the marathon course. And so we will see how that goes. Um, and then the 10 by 5k is only a few weeks away as well. It's only three weeks away. Um, so yeah. Eric is going to be doing that as part of a relay and I am going to be doing that as a solo endeavor. So I'm looking forward to that too. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah, on the I'm horizon. excited for the publics. I think it'll be a, a new twist on kind of what I consider like the same old thing in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Like how mm -hmm. many times are you going to come out Piedmont Park and run up Piedmont and turn left on Juniper? But yep. it's kind of a different vibe to it on Agreed. a relay. So Agreed. I'm pretty excited. Um, I am too. I yeah. am too. Very excited about it. All right. So speaking of races that we have done and kudos that we want to give, let's give a shout out to a couple of folks that are... Uh, listeners to the podcast that told us about their experiences at Mountain Mist this year. <laughs> so of course, Michelle ran Mountain Mist as everybody who listens to the podcast know. Michelle ran Mountain Mist in 2021. And you had kind of an average day weather-wise that day, right? In 2021. Yeah, I, I haven't had any like crazy hot or crazy cold or ice okay. or okay. Um, haven't. Yeah. Gotcha. I ran it in January 2022 for the first time. And that was the coldest day they'd ever had. It was uh, 14 degrees at the starting line. Everything was frozen to everything else. There was ice everywhere. It was awful. Yet, strangely, I was inspired to do it again with both of you in January 2023. And I dare say, and y'all tell me what you think, we probably had perfect weather that day. It was pretty perfect. Yeah. For that course, especially. for mm -hmm. It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was like mid-30s at the start, and then it warmed up to like mid-40s. Um, and it wasn't dry, but it but it was fine. Like, I mean, like, that, yeah, that trail's never going to be totally dry in January, right. February, because it's got snow melt and rain and stuff. So, right, right, but. exactly. But, but it was about as close to perfect as you could get. Um, totally. um, this year, oh my gosh, <laughs> I dare say in 2024, none of us did it, but it had to have been at least as bad, if not worse, than the super cold year that I did two years ago. It torrentially poured rain in the entire week leading up to the race, and it was actually raining during the start of the race. They fired the shotgun to start the race with the rain falling. Is that right, Michelle? You were watching the video of people starting, and of course, like just trash talking all of them as they were starting. I, I seem to remember. <laughs> I mean, they all. It looked like they just all hovered in the lodge, right at at the park, at the parking lot, and then just went out and like the gun went off, but. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was looked miserable just from the get go, even already knowing how difficult the race itself would be. So, right, but right. I would say the footage of them actually on the trails was honestly somewhat shocking. Yeah. I mean, they were, there was no point in time where they weren't running through, you know, above ankle water to like knee deep mud. Right. And like, uh, so. and like the, the parts of the trail that would normally be like just the regular trail parts. Right. Just the part where you're just running on a trail, have um, running which, water which, running with you. Which, yeah, exactly. Which is like really welcome in that race because you're not jumping from rock to rock. You're not crossing a, a, a river. Um, you're not like trying to pick your way either up or down the sheer side of a rock face. Like there are places there. You're not going up massive climbs. There are places there. that It's just an unpaved trail and it's lovely. Um, those places were literal creeks. Um, that they had water flowing through them. So we had uh, a couple of folks reach out to us. We had Rachel Raspberry, who is a friend of mine. I was actually in her brother's wedding several years ago. Um, and she's a mom of three. She's a triathlete. She works in risk management, which is funny because she uh, she said that, that, that uh, the whole time she was running, she was like, how, from a risk management point of view, is this allowable? It's not in the <laughs> waterline. Like, who thinks this is a good idea? Yeah, right? Exactly. Um, but she said she was literally slip sliding the whole way down. Um, she's done it in the past. She's, like I said, she's a triathlete. She's a great swimmer, um, uh, great cyclist, great runner too. 
Um, but she, she has done this in the past, but hadn't done it for 10 years. She said that she literally has an alarm that she sets on her calendar every year on the registration date. And she's been hitting ignore or snooze on the alarm for the past 10 years. But um, she decided to do it. And she said, quote, I have never slogged through so much mud and rain. Um, she was she said she was fitter or some of the fittest she's ever been for that race. And she did 45 minutes slower than she's it, ever done it before. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Fitness for that race is like irrelevant. So at least if it's like literal running creeks. Yeah. She said, quote, we were all sliding down, hanging on to trees and vines for dear life. <laughs> Well, I was thinking yeah. that that back section, you know, I guess it's the second to last aid station. Mm -hmm. You cross the road, you hit that second to last aid station. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole section where you're going downhill. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like runnable downhill. No, and you're, you're, points, you're literally you don't even know where the trail is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't know where the trail is. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that in the rain. Yeah. I did it in the ice. And, and, and it was funny because when we did it again in 2023, I think I said on this podcast that, that I had a newfound respect for what I was able to accomplish in the ice when I had to go down those rock faces in good weather. I was like, how the hell did I do this in the ice? Um, and that's kind of the way I feel about this year was probably true as well. Is like, how did they manage to make it down when everything, everything is covered in slick mud? Ugh, also, I just can't why? imagine. Wow. What, like <laughs> Michelle, you always come back to this why thing, and I, I don't I understand that. Like, like you do this stuff too. You've done this race twice. <laughs> I know, but like, I wouldn't do this. Yes, you would. If you had no. signed up for it this year, if this year would have been the year that all three of us were like, okay, we're all going to go there. We're all going to run this race together. You'd have done it. I don't you, know. You, you would have been know. in your head, and we all would have been in our head, probably like Rachel was, and like Alex, who I'm about to talk about, was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> um, but, but, but you would have done it. I don't know. I saw this feels like name dropping, but I saw, I think, 24 time finisher Sally Brooking after and she said it was absolutely the worst she's ever seen out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then somebody made a comment. And I think say, I'm just say gonna... 24 times too. she's finished 24 times. There's only been 30. Yeah, so she's, she's basically done oh, it every time. Legend. It's been done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the group that we were talking in, either she or, you know, it was said, I think I'm just going to register every year, but then I'll decide the night before based on the weather. And that mm -hmm. is like, I can get on board with that. But <laughs> so what you're saying is you're going to register next year? No, I'm saying knowing. <laughs> That's what I heard, Eric. Is that what you heard? Yeah, knowing what you're up. going yeah. into and the conditions, like, to, yeah, I think it's just like a why. Why though? Why do you have to do that? <laughs> Alex's so, pictures were crazy. Yeah, let's talk about Alex. So Alex reached out to us on Instagram, uh, and Alex was in a group of eight people who went down from Owensboro, Kentucky to do the race. Um, he said it was, quote, crazy and muddy. Uh, he said it was, quote, insane, um, but they had a great time. Um, and like I said, he sent us about five or six photos. Um, and one of them was of his finishing plaque and which was awesome. Yeah. So one so was great. pizza. Yeah, Yay. exactly. Which is great. Yeah. He yeah. had, he had the, the finishing plaque pizza, cookie cake and a beer. And I was like, right on Alex. Um, that's exactly what I would be doing in, in that situation too. Heck yeah. Um, but, but then he also sent us these pictures. One was him running and it's, again, it's like a routine part of the trail and he's not even on the trail. He's in the leaves because the <laughs> right. trail is a literal Creek. Yep. And, and so it's either run in the Creek which is the trail or run in the leaves beside the trail. Ugh. Um, and then he had this, this one place where it's like a lake, like the put there's always puddles, but because there had been so much rain up to and including during the start of the race, like the puddles were lakes. Um, oh my God, just looked awful. <laughs> Pass. you know that back that now Pass. once you go down all those sheer faces and yeah. you end up down in the valley down there oh gosh that mckay's was, hollow that it's was, called yeah mckay's hollow that mm. was like at times the the mud was up to our ankles right I, you, you guys shared at least one picture with me and it was like the mud is like up to their knees yeah it's treacherous i, I mean that's not running that's not even hiking that's yeah. i don't know what what you call that no, you call it what 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 Rachel called it. It says slogged through so much road. It's a slog, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, too, because last year we also said after after we did it, um, I said there was a small part of me, but not enough to actually make me sign up. There was a small part of me that wanted to go back and do it one more time and try and run with the leaders. 
And God, I'm glad that y'all talked me out of that. Um, it didn't take much effort on your part to talk me out of it. It might've literally just been Michelle being like, why? And that was it. Um, but, but I would not have had a great time out there this year. I feel like <laughs> for me, it really validated my desire to like run a road marathon the first time this year. <laughs> I was like, this is just so much, uh, this is more simple, man. This is just the way to do it. So. Awesome. Awesome. We should say that, that, that both Alex and Rachel, um, well, Alex more than Rachel. Alex said he was he was on an inspired running high. I mean, he was like feeling great. He and his buddies were all pumped afterwards. Rachel didn't necessarily say that, but but she was probably feeling the same. I'll be curious to see whether either one of them uh, end up signing up. But by all means, congratulations to, to to Rachel. Congratulations to Alex and his buddies from Owensboro, Kentucky, um, for accomplishing what is a very difficult race in ideal conditions. Um, and they completed the race in far less than ideal conditions yeah <laughs> to say the least very good um all right we've been avoiding the topic that we need to talk about um uh we need to talk about kelvin kiptum um uh the tragedy of the death of kelvin kiptum uh which took place on uh, super bowl sunday here at uh in the united states uh sunday the 11th of february at about 11 o'clock at night kenya time um, Kelvin Kiptum, as anybody who listens to this podcast, I'm sure has heard by now, the marathon world record holder who ran two hours and 35 seconds in uh, Chicago last October, um, and who was poised, most people believe, to uh, break the two-hour barrier and be the first person in a sanctioned marathon to actually run under two hours for a marathon in Rotterdam in April, uh, was killed in a car crash uh, along with his coach, uh, Gervais Hakizimana, um, uh, in Kenya. Um, they were probably commuting back to his training site. A lot of professional runners in Kenya, they train in one location that's away from home. Um, and yeah. so he had probably spent his weekend with his family and then was sort of commuting back to his work, if you will. He was commuting back to his job, um, his training site. Um, so in Eldoret, yeah, he, he, uh, lost control of the car. He went off the, the left side of the road into the ditch and then continued on in the ditch for um, about 60 meters or so uh, before they ran into a tree that was there in the ditch. Um, <laughs> killed Kelvin Kiptum, killed Gervais Hakizamana. Um, and then there was a woman in the car named Sharon Kosgai who was injured but but was released. I'm assuming she was probably in the back seat. Um, um, and yeah, I, I, I got this news from you, Michelle, which is appropriate. Um, via text, um, yeah. just as I was walking into a Super Bowl party, um, and and I had to go ahead and send my wife on in, and had to wait for a second and confirm that it wasn't a rumor. Frankly, um, try and find some some other uh, things besides Twitter that, that that suggested that it wasn't a rumor, um, and and then uh, sort of process what this means for this marathon world record holder who's only run three marathons, albeit three of the fastest seven marathons ever um, to no longer be with us. Um, Michelle, what were your first thoughts? How did you hear the news? Yeah, I think I saw it on Twitter, honestly. Um, but I also saw Kara Galcher post it and then she deleted her post. Mm. So when I saw it again, but then her post was gone and this is probably within the first you know, a few minutes, I thought maybe it's a rumor. Um, but then every, you know, another media outlet picked it up and then another one picked it up and then it was just like, yeah. okay, I don't think this is a rumor. So I think I sent it to one of our text groups, right. but you didn't respond, but everybody else did. So yeah. I sent it just to you to get your yeah. attention um, yeah. and blasted your name in it. And yeah. I think um, it's so crazy because like we saw him run the marathon for a year, mm -hmm. but a little bit more than a year ago, like we didn't, we barely knew who he was. Right. Um, and, and he captivated the whole professional distance running world and the marathon. And like in such a short amount of time, he, yeah. he his, changed his, everything. His debut was in Valencia in December in, in December of 2022. Okay. Um, and he ran 201.53, which was the fastest debut ever. Four and then he ran later, London. Four yeah. months later, he went to London um, and he broke Elliot Kipchoge's course record in the London Marathon um, by then, running 201.25 with a 59 minute, 45 second back half. Second half. Yeah, um, that was and crazy. Then, and then came to Chicago 
Um, and a lot of people thinking maybe he was going to run faster than Elliot Kipchoge's then world record 20109 um, goes through halfway at slower than 20109 pace and then runs a once again 5947 back half um, runs under 28 minutes for the 10k between 30k and 40k um, which yeah. is mind-boggling to be have that much speed in the tail end of a marathon um, I remember watching and texting with you while we were watching it and saying he's going to run two flat 30 just as he was just looking so fresh as there as he had you know three two miles to go um, and sure enough he ran two flat 35 yeah uh, his world record say- by the way from Chicago was only ratified five days before his death the ratification process takes a little while it was ratified on February 6th which is just cool uh- Yeah, I think what sticks out to me about the way that he raced, and not that it's unprecedented, but he ran races with pacers. And a lot of times, you know, when the pacer drops off, you like, you you don't slow down so much, but you can't always keep up that last 10k or whatever. Um, But he was a guy that like, forget the pacer, like he was gonna he picked it up. It's like the pacer Um, was holding him back. Yeah. So I, you know, it was, um, I don't know. I guess this is, you know, people are comparing it to like the prefontaine of, of our generation or whatever. Um, it's, you know, like we had a, a death in 2011 of a, of at that Samuel time, like, yeah, yeah, like before we even knew about Kipchoge, like when, when, when so I think, I don't know. It was great to, um, to see what he could do and to have that experience of watching him race but it just, you know, I think the Let's Run guys, I can't believe I'm quoting that, the podcast, you know, they said something like, you can never say so-and-so is like the greatest ever, right? Because either somebody comes along and runs faster or there's a tragedy that takes that person away from the sport. Mm-hmm. So I think for what it was, it was incredible. I think everybody was so looking forward to seeing, you know, what he was going to do this spring. But I also just keep reminding myself that he wasn't just a professional runner. He was a father. He was a husband. You know, he's probably somebody who changed the life for not just him and his immediate family, but probably a lot of their extended family with the amount of money that he was able to win just over the last year. Um, So just such a such a tragedy, so much potential, both as an athlete, like and as a person. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say just back to the initial question is like, it's, it's shocking. I think when somebody so young is just uh, like taken away in an instant. So, yeah. 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 And and from now on, when people talk about him um, and people will talk about him, obviously. Right. He, Oh yeah. You know, he's a current world record holder in the marathon. Right. I mean, people will continue to talk about him and will be for decades to come. It, the, the conversation is always going to include something to the effect of, wow, it would have been great to see what he ultimately accomplished. Like we never got to see it, you know? Um, And that, that is tragic. Yeah. Eric, what about you, man? Well, you guys know, I don't follow the marathon as much as you do. I think the most I've ever followed the marathon was for the Olympic trials this year. Hmm. Um, But I think anytime something like this happens, you know, the prefontaine was, was mentioned. It's, it's like what you said, George, you, you wonder what could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, more than anything, what I take out of this is, you know, every day is something that you can't take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whether you're chasing marathon world record or whether you're just chasing your own PR or whether you're just chasing, you know, whatever you're capable of now because PRs are a distant past, I think that we should all kind of like take stock of what matters and try to try to focus on that as opposed to maybe some frivolous things and whatnot. You know, we were lamenting, I was lamenting about my training and, and pains that I'm dealing with. Um, Just need to get through those and, you know, focus on what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, You know, his coach, and, and I, I think of this as as with what you just said, kind of living every day and living your life. His coach, the coach that, alas, was killed with him in this car wreck, um, uh, told him before he set the world record in Chicago, you need to chill a little bit. You're running too much. You're running too hard. Like the the training weeks that he had in that year that he was on everybody's radar, basically, 
from Valencia of December of 2022 till Chicago in October of 2023. Like his training over the course of that year was kind of the stuff of legend. He was running like multiple 180 day weeks in a row or 180 mile weeks in a row. Um, and his coach actually said to him, quote, I told him that in five years he would be done, that he must calm down to last in athletics. And his response to his coach was something to the effect of, this is my chance. Like, I want to, I want to capitalize, capitalize on it while I have the chance here. I'm running well. Let's go ahead and do this. And he was very much different from what most athletes do in Kenya and around the world, including here in the United States. Like most people start on the track and then they kind of build speed and they try and win medals on the track and that sort of thing. And then they go to the marathon. That's what Elliot Kachowik did. Right. Um, and he went directly to the marathon um, and he was only about 24 years old. There's some indications he might've been a little bit older than that, but, but um, birthdays in Africa can sometimes be um, difficult to pin down. Um, so yeah, he, he went directly to the half marathon, the marathon, because that's where he felt like his star shined most brightly. And yeah. Yeah. I'll say, um, I, I didn't think about this before, but when we talked about him after Chicago, we focused so much on the, you know, his coach is trying to stop him and slow him down and reduce his mileage. He doesn't want him to be like a one, a one shot wonder. Like he wants him to have a career with longevity. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, if you're looking back on it now, like it's, great, it's yeah. awesome that he did what he did. Right. Like no, it's totally. the opposite of what we yeah. were, uh, yeah. like we were really worried about the totally wrong thing for, yeah. for his life and his trajectory in the sport. It's pretty Absolutely. wild to think about that. Um, no, yeah, you, I hadn't thought of that, that until you just said yeah. that. And, and yeah, and that's, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, like, so let's say that he would have followed the traditional path and done the 5,000, 10,000 meters on the track. And so let's say that he, at this point had run 1255 for 5k and 2650 for 10k. That's great. Obviously that's brilliant, but that's nowhere close to world records. And, and it definitely wouldn't be a headline around the world if he was killed in a car crash amidst that. Um, and as it turns out, it is. And he's a world record holder. And like I said, people will be continuing to talk about him and wondering what could have been over the course of the next few decades here. Um, as you said, he does have a wife and two kids. Um, and I think that that's important to keep in mind that he was more than just a runner. He, was, he wasn't a machine. He was a man. Um, um, you mentioned, Michelle, the comparisons to Sammy Wenjiro that I, I wanted to bring up real quick. Um, Sammy Wanjiro died in May of 2011. Um, uh, Sammy Wanjiro won the Olympic gold medal in the marathon in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. He ran about 206.30, which is a profoundly fast time for an Olympic marathon. Um, yeah. um, it was a hot day and everybody's like, oh, it's going to be slow. It's going to be a race of attrition. And Sammy fucking Wanjiro went out there and just dropped the hammer on everybody and made he it a sprint it. from the starting line. I mean... It was amazing. It was incredible. He was 21 years old. He was the first Kenyan, as hard as this is to believe, Sammy Wanjiro was the first Kenyan ever to win a gold medal in the Olympic Games. Um, he won the Chicago Marathon in 2011, or in 2010, pardon me, in what is a race that I will go back and watch from time to time. I'll watch the last mile or so of that race on YouTube because it was such an incredible performance on his part. Um, and then in May of 27, or tw May of 2011, at age 24, um, he died, um, not in a car wreck. He, he fell off a balcony at his house in Kenya, um, and, and died, but also in an accident, right. From injuries. Um, and so there's always a lot of questions about him with what, what, what could have been Sammy Wanjiro though. It feels a little bit different because I, I do feel like he, he was able to do a lot. He had like four years on the scene, right. Whereas like you said, Michelle, Kelvin Kiptum, it was a year. Um, we had him for a year. You know, it's crazy. Um, there are a couple other things I want to say about it. One is stuff about conspiracy theories. Um, you know, whenever there's there's a tragedy or that that's difficult to understand, um, people always want to try and place the blame somewhere. And so there is a lot of conspiracy theories going on right now. I've seen conspiracy theories saying that Nike had him killed. I've seen conspiracy theories saying that Kipchoge somehow knocked him out. Um, Elliot Kipchoge after uh, after the news came out, uh, said and posted on social media, I'm deeply saddened by the tragic passing of the marathon world record holder and rising star Kelvin Kiptum, an athlete who had a whole life ahead of him to achieve incredible greatness. May I offer my deepest condolences to his young family? 
um, a nice statement to put on social media. If you read all the responses on social media to him saying that, they're not positive crazy. responses. It's good yeah. people. It's a little crazy, no? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, um, but I don't know. but but folks folks did not appreciate him saying that because there's a lot of people that said that well you should have had a part in his death then and stuff like that which is just nuts i think conspiracy theories come from people want to have an explanation right and and if there's not a good explanation which there's not here um or if you don't understand the explanation which is what happened during covid um then people want to find some sort of some so more easily understandable place to place blame that's because um, people think the world is much simpler or they want the world to be much simpler than it really is. Yeah. And fairer. Right. Like this feels unfair. Um, I mean, it's and, hard to reconcile it, accidents and even worse when they're tragic accidents. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Just, but, yeah. yeah. Agreed. Um, the Kenyan police have arrested or at least detained four guys who actually came to Kelvin Kipton's house last house. week. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and they talked to his dad. And so his dad's like, they didn't identify themselves. And I don't know who they were. And so the police picked him up and are looking into it. Um, but that of course is just fueling more, more conspiracy theories about who these guys were and what they were showing up at his house to do and all that sort of thing. And, um, you know, if it turns out there was some reason or some conspiracy, then by all means, we'll talk about it. But I, I don't, I'm not putting any stock in that at this point. Um, I think it'll come out if there, if there was, I think the Kenyan authorities will find it, but I don't think there was um unfortunately as nice as well it wouldn't be nice but as as tidy as that would be <laughs> yeah um, my brain goes to like all these mysteries they cut the brakes in the car and you know like right. just stuff that um you wouldn't know until it was too late but i don't know it could also just be a really bad accident it, and that's what i think it was and i think which, it is <laughs> yeah and it which is which is what i think it was and that that actually gets the last thing that i wanted to talk about and that is and this seems like a strange segue. Um, and Eric, you might be able to shed some light on this because because you lived in, in South Africa for a little while, I know. And we've talked about that before. But traffic deaths are a major issue in a lot of the developing world um, and on the continent of Africa and including in the country of Kenya. Um, over the course of the past 10 to 20 years, uh, there's been a lot more cars added to the roads in Kenya um, and and not a whole lot more infrastructure added and when we talk about infrastructure, we're talking about things like increasing public awareness, like, you know, the ad advertisements that we see on television here about slowing down and stuff like that. The stuff around the use of seatbelts, um, stricter speed limits, um, stuff like pedestrian lighting, barriers, guardrails, things like that. Stripes on the ground that, that delineate the lanes. Like a lot of that stuff doesn't develop in, or is not existing in places where the number of cars on the road has greatly increased over the course of the past decade and a half. With that in mind, I, I actually went online and looked up some of the, the statistics related to traffic deaths and that sort of thing in Kenya. Um, and I found that that per 100,000 inhabitants in Kenya, so per population of 100,000, the, the death rate from cars is 29.1. Um, and per 100,000 cars, um, per 100,000 cars, the death rate is 640.7 now if you Seems compare that high. to so so it's very high and that's my point so in the united states if you compare that like i said they were 29.1 per 100,000 people we're 12.9 per 100,000 people here in the united states and then if you think about the number of cars we have here per 100,000 cars we have 16 deaths per 100,000 cars they have 640 deaths um, and so it's a significantly bigger problem. Traffic accidents, traffic death is a significantly bigger problem there than it is here. Norway has two deaths per 100,000 inhabitants and three deaths per 100,000 cars. And Kenya has 29 deaths and 640 deaths uh, for each of those metrics as well. That's kind of part of it too. Um, and so if you are somebody, I think, who is inclined to to believe the conspiracy theories i think it's something much less sexy i think it's just that there's more cars on the road in kenya there's not a whole lot of driver education there's not a whole lot of infrastructure um and and there is as a result a whole lot more traffic death so kelvin kipton's not only 
representative of of how great Kenyan running is, but alas, unfortunately, he's representative of of what is really a public health problem in Kenya and throughout a lot of the developing world, and that is traffic accidents. Um, yeah, if you take your comments about infrastructure and you add on to that the lack of driver training mm-hmm. or the lack of enforcement of licensing, mm-hmm. um, the lack of quality of vehicles. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is um, they don't have the same safety regulations that we have here mm-hmm. and the vehicles are not kept as well as they are here mm-hmm. and the vehicles um, are just older. Yeah. yeah. So you stack all that, you know, you could even be a good driver in a bad car, you know, or you could be a good driver in a good car surrounded by bad drivers and bad cars or, you know, any, any number of things. Um yeah, so I think that uh, I definitely lived that, saw that in South Africa, and I can imagine Kenya is the same, if not worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. If you if you're if you're looking to understand why this happened, um, if you're looking to explain why this happened, to me that's the explanation. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's something much more mundane, um, unfortunately, um, and it and it's frustrating that such a rising star can be killed by something so mundane. The other thing I wrote down as we were talking about this, Jeffrey Cam Rohrer, who finished second in the London Marathon behind Kelvin Kiptum, he was in a real heavy crash and was forced to miss the 2021 Olympics. And so it, it's not as if we haven't actually seen Kenyans who have gotten in car crashes and gotten injured or, or killed before. All right. One last thing we want to say here, and then we got to call it a day, is while we're talking about death and Kenyan runners... Um, we also have to talk about Henry Rono, um, uh, and Henry Rono did not die in a car wreck, um, the way that Kelvin Kiptum did, uh, Henry, Henry Rono rather was 72 years old. Um, and he died yesterday on the 15th of February. Um, Henry Rono, uh, was a runner from Kenya who went to Washington state. Um, and he will forever be remembered for setting not one, not two, not three, but four world records in a single summer. Over the course of 81 days in 1978, he set a world record in the 3,000 meter steeplechase, in the 3,000 meters, just flat 3,000 meters, the 5,000 meters, and the 10,000 meters. Um, his records in the 3,000 and in the steeplechase stood for more than a decade. Um, at the same time, or around the same time, he was also um, a three-time NCAA cross-country champion. Um, during that year, 1978, he had a win streak of 31 straight races. Um, including the All-Africa Games, um, including the Commonwealth Games. Amazing. He unfortunately never got to run the Olympics because Kenya boycotted the Olympics in 1976 because the Olympic Committee didn't disinvite New Zealand um, after New Zealand's rugby team took a tour of South Africa during the apartheid era. Um, And then he didn't run the Olympics in 1980 because uh, 66 different countries joined the United States in boycotting the Moscow Olympic Games. And so he never actually had the chance to run the Olympics, um, uh, even though he was clearly one of the best, if not the best runner in the world right around that time. Uh, Quotation from him in 2003, he said, my two dreams were created in the 1960s. I became a professional teacher and a track champion. The running profession came first in the early 1970s and ended 25 years later. The teaching profession began in the 1990s, and today I enjoy it much better than the achievement of athletic celebrity. As a teacher, I liked that. (laughs) We Um, can tell. (laughs) As you should. So um, rest in peace, Kevin Kipton, but also please rest in peace, um, uh, Henry Rono. Um, All right. This was a good podcast. We kind of followed the entire gambit of emotions here. Uh, Michelle, final thoughts? Oh, what a tough, like as hard as this is for us, it seems like a really tough week to be uh, part of the Kenyan running world. But no, I think, you know, kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, I think there's all these little like bumps and hurdles to get through the days. But overall, I'm, you know, pretty fortunate, I think. So, uh, yeah just waking up the next day, like Kelvin didn't get that. So uh, thankful for that. So. Absolutely. Eric, final thoughts. This was a perspective podcast. I've, I've been reset. So um, yeah, I appreciate uh, everything that was said from you guys and the story, you know, um, especially the last two things we talked about. So mm-hmm. I'm going to stop whining. I'm going to start training. 
continue right recovering my my ales and move on. Awesome. Awesome. Do you still Very want to coach? to be continued thanks y'all thanks everybody thanks again for listening to the most pleasant exhaustion podcast don't forget to check out our new website that we're building in early 2024 mostpleasantexhaustion.com you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast or on instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion We're available on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends and don't forget to give us a rating. We also offer coaching services through MPE Coaching. You can reach out to us at pleasantpodcast at gmail.com, at mpecoach at gmail.com, or just click on the coaching link on the podcast website. Again, that's www.mostpleasantexhaustion.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com, at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. Check out High Echelon PC at highechelonCPA.com. Big thanks to our sponsor, Elemental Altitude. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. And finally, thanks to our newest sponsor, Bright Hair. You can find them at brighthair.com or on Instagram at bright.hair. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Eric Hall, thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.